The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Sixty-sixth episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Somewhat, and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how are you doing, dude? I am so good. Uh, even though my Chiefs lost in a very controversial fashion. I will take that my Florida State Seminoles out of nowhere are 4-0. Shout I am, out. In my two pay fantasy leagues, I am 3-1 and one overall. And it looks like in one, I'm like the highest score. So it, it's working out. I, so in general, in general, we're doing good. And you know what? Wrestling's been really good. Like, it has. Like even, and, and we are not a WWE show, but even Raw's been watchable. You know what I mean? Yeah, they got that whole bunny thing that they're doing, which I just hope is Adam Rose returning or something. Like, I want it to be something, like, out of left field. I did even worse for you. I don't know if you saw my post on Twitter. On um, one of the videos, he kept saying, feed me, feed me. Feed yep, me. I saw the Ryback post. I yes, saw that. Yep, I yes. saw that. And I was like, because I was thinking, what is, who is the worst person who it could be? Where everybody would crap on it, and I was like, Ryback. Nobody wants yep. Ryback back. Oh, the absolutely. only person that wants to see Ryback wrestle is Ryback. Mm-hmm. Yep, honest to God. But that's still exciting. You got Candice LeRae, who made her debut this week, uh, coming back now with Johnny Gargano, also in WWE again. So good to see both of them. And it's like, everything's going well in the world of wrestling. Candice wrestling is back, and I, I, I love her. I, I love her. She is uh, just a ball energy. She's so good. She's just so she good. Is. And so I'm glad that she's. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know she was going to end up on the main roster. I mean, it makes sense, but, you know, not necessarily everything that makes sense happens. So. Sure. So we got the wrestlings. We got, Now we just need indie wrestling on Raw. It's the last one we need because, you know, uh, Austin Theory's there. Dexter mm-hmm. Lumens is there. No. So, like dressing up as like what was it? The Sabers? I think he was dressed up in like yes. some sort of yeah. And it was like I knew it was a hockey gear, but I didn't no, know they which were I in Edmonton. Remember. So they were. The oh, they were in Edmonton. Yes, it was the Oilers. That's right. It wasn't the Sabers. My bad. Yeah, and then um, 
So that was cool, and I I would love to find the reason that he hates the Miz, but it's wrestling. So do we really need one? Uh, no, I no no. It's like uh, WWE WWE has been better. Like, yeah, and I that's just, all you can ask for right now yeah, as a fan. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like some people are like, well, th- this is not happening. It's not this generational thing. But I'm like, it's like sports. I'm going to use sports as an example. Teams don't just draft one player and then get automatically better. It is a lot of great draft decisions and pickups and all that kind of stuff to get your team gradually better. Like Detroit. What were they last year? They were they won like what three games last year? We were three yeah, we were three, thirteen and one. Yeah. So if you get to six six or seven wins, that's a that's a giant leap. We should have been at two wins last uh, last this weekend, but uh, unfortunately, our coach decided. I love Dan Campbell, but he made a lot of decisions that I did not agree with, and kind of cost us the game. He even said in the post game presser that he felt felt like he cost the team, which he kind of did. But you know, we're playing Seattle this week, so you know we should probably win that game. But we got to win earlier. It, it, we don't. We didn't have to win until wait until October for our first win of the season. So that that at least I'm happy about. Yeah, so uh, the great coach, Bobby Bowden, one of my favorite, well, my favorite coach of all time, said there was four uh, four uh, stages of a, a winning team. First, you lose big. Then you lose close. Then you win close. And then you win big. And, you know, Detroit's probably in that lose close to win close area right there we've been that way for like since dan campbell joined the team we've been losing close like pretty much the entire time so we're 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 moving up but just yeah, yeah. you're ready to start winning close right you know yeah yeah that can they, same thing with wwe they're they're starting to get ready to win close yeah they're losing close right now and it's like and they, it's like like i said they're breaking even it's like i don't feel like my time it's like this week of raw somebody was asking me how i felt about it i was like it was the okayest episode of raw i ever saw I think the one thing we can all agree with is my my goddamn boy Sami Zayn is out here moving, moving. Like I'm so I'm so happy. I have not yet. I have not. You're not it's, honorary oose yet. I'm not not yet. I haven't gotten on it yet. I'm 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 going to because I'm so happy for Sami Zayn. I love that dude. Like if we're talking active wrestlers just across all companies, Sami Zayn is my favorite. I love that dude. so freaking much well the last positive thing i have to say about the wwe is roman reigns and whoever designs his shirts if it's not him or whoever it is is literally on god mode right now because we the ones this shirt that's out there. that shirt is great not just the it's not great because it's a great because it's a great shirt like let's just say any team that wears red and black chicago blackhawks uh, the Chiefs, any team that wears that color, once they wore to win the title, guess what shirt they can win? Mm-hmm. We the ones. Come on, you just send that to your favorite player. It's a great shirt. If I was WWE, I'd start marketing We the Ones with different team logos on it, because yep. or different colors because it's a great shirt that happens to be a wrestling shirt. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the last thing I say. No, not WWE podcast. It's just, you know, I like to throw some love out there just to let everybody know sure. that we don't do the tribalism thing. I take my shots at WWE sometimes because same fun. It's fun for me, but I, re- I, re- I, re- I watch it every week. I watch all the WWE programming. Say, I don't really, I haven't got back into NXT yet. 
but yeah. I watch all the other WWE programming, so it's not like I hate them. It's just yeah, sometimes it's just fun to poke fun. Absolutely, and with AEW, they're still doing a crazy amount of good things too. Coming off of a wild week of Grand Slam for AEW Dynamite and the two-hour rampage that also took place, so we got a lot to get to for this week in AEW. But before we get to everything. We would like to make sure you guys continue to download this fine show on to us on Spotify or wherever you listen to us to get your podcast. We would love it if you would give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you'd wish. Uh, you can also leave a rating and a review if you feel uh, so inclined. But the easiest way for you guys to support us is following us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the other shows they have on their network. You will enjoy them immensely. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, of course, we like to start things off with the big news of the week for All Elite Wrestling. And this one's interesting because the way that Floyd has this one written out on our little notes uh, page is just quite simply the phrase, to release or not to release? That is the question. So, Floyd, would you like to elaborate on that little statement? Yes. And you can go ahead and take take the reins on this first. Yes, because this has been an interesting week. I mean, we had this amazing show, and we're going to talk about that show uh, very soon. But we just heard some random things, and I heard like a hundred different stories from verified places that Malik, uh, Malachi, Alistair Black, whatever you want to call him, Tom, uh, old Tom, had asked for and was basically granted his release from AEW and was looking to go. He, after an extended non-compete time, he was going to go back to WWE. Then Buddy Murphy, then uh, or Buddy Matthews, another member of the House of Black, uh, he made an announcement at a, uh, at a, uh, at an indie show that he was going to be taking off some time. And then we heard the news heard the reports that he was asking for his release and was trying to go back to WWE. They both have significant others in WWE, Zelina Vega and Rhea Ripley. Uh, Rhea Ripley. Uh, so um, we assumed, so it sounded true, you know? I mean, literally, people were asking me what I thought, and I was just like, honestly, if you don't want to be in AEW, you know, it's best that they let you go. It's a deep roster, and I still believe that. It's a very deep roster. You know, honestly, probably could probably could go with losing a few wrestlers on the roster so you could really focus pushes on other people, but whatever. And I was just like, okay, they're going to do what they got to do. I mean, I'm not in their head. So Malachi has pretty much been consistently saying that this wasn't goodbye, this was see you later. He said it, and he kept saying it. He never said he asked for his release. The words release never came out of his mouth. So last night in an Instagram live video, he says, I am taking a break. I am getting some things in my life in order. I literally, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do this, but I'm getting my life in order. And, you know, uh, I'm just taking a break and I will be back. I didn't ask for my release, and I will be back with AEW. He also indicated that his contract is not up five, uh, not not a five-year contract, which you know that seemed a little long in my head, but whatever. And then Buddy Matthews 
uh, more reports come out. Still nothing from Buddy Matthews' mouth that he actually has some legal paperwork he has to take care of in Australia. So that's why he's taking a break because he has to go back home and take care of that. Again, uh, I think the only thing I 100% know is the stuff that came out of uh, Malachi Black's mouth. But from how... From what? What's, what is that, sir? Uh, Wait, sorry. What is what? Sorry, what? <laughs> that sound. Somebody said. I was muted. I don't know what the hell you heard. <laughs> you were not muted, sir. I was absolutely muted. That's bullshit. This microphone's broken. No, you were not muted at all. I should be muted now. Okay. Well, on Friday, uh, yeah, so. On Friday, I had a thought, and then, then tomorrow, just last night, I had a thought. And from what I understood is the way Dave reported it is that Tony was going to give people their releases. And then he's the word has come out over the last few days that no one's getting released. So I ask to release or not release. I was having a great uh, conversation with Sir Sam. He is the host of the, uh, you know, AEW Match Guide. Uh, on the Social Suplex, make sure you check that out. I was actually on that show this weekend discussing Cody's last match in AEW, so make sure you catch that. Uh, but um, we were discussing it, and I was just like, and he was like, he doesn't like the idea that someone that has been released, wants to be released, is not granted to release. And I was like, so AEW should honor the contract, and you know the wrestler shouldn't be required to. And he's like, I'm all about corporate rights. So I made the point that corporations are run by people, <laughs> you know? So there is another person on the other side of that contract. So shouldn't both people be respected to honor that contract? So I thought this would be a great topic of conversation to start as me and, uh, me and uh, Austin are both fans of comp uh, shoot sports is the best way to say it or whatever. I don't know. I don't like using inside wrestler terms when we talk this, so I don't know how to say it. But, <coughs> excuse me, cough. We're both fans of football, baseball, basketball. And, honestly, so in football, excuse me, the owners have most of the and in baseball and basketball, honestly, it's closer to the players. So what are your thoughts on this situation, Mr. Austin? And let me right. clear my throat. Wow, you did talk. Yeah, no problem, man. And, yeah, there's been a lot of reports going around and stuff like that. And, yeah, Aleister Black or Malachi Black, whatever you would like to say, was very adamant uh, going after the people that were reporting these stories that he say have absolutely no truth to them. Uh, consistently, it seems like there's just so much of the AW roster that has to be dealing with, uh, like, wrestling journalists or so-called journalists and stuff like that, and stories being leaked out that aren't true, and other things that are coming out. And you know, it's just there's a lot of there's a lot of birds circling around AEW right now, and it's kind of the hot thing to do. You know, they're the company that's got been dealing with drama backstage and you know they've been dealing with a lot of other outside circumstances and whatnot so people want stories out of it that are going to get people to pay attention to whatever they have to say you cut out if you're there 
can you hear me now? Are I we can good hear here? You now. Yes, okay, I, I have literally no idea what just happened there. Uh, okay. It was like you pressed mute in the middle of talking. I did not. That's the thing. Through. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Okay. But so me and Floyd, like I was saying before, we are not just fans of pro wrestling. We are also fans of just regular sports in general. So basketball, football, college football, all kinds of things. And in the world of professional sports, when you sign somebody to a contract, um, you know, people can ask for their release, but like, unless somebody is willing to pay the remainder of that contract or offer a better deal and like eat the lump sum of the current contract or the company agrees to a buyout, then you're not really going anywhere. You know, you can scream about how you want out and the company can like look for offers and ways to dump you so they don't have to pay that much. But you know, if, if, if a nobody uh, nobody is asking for you as a somebody that they want on their team, um, and then b if nobody wants to pay what they are what the that one company the other company or the other team is paying you if no one wants to pay that kind of level of salary, then you really got not much leverage in that regard. The only real leverage you have is when you know that there is outside interest and you want to get out of where you are and you know for a fact that there's outside interest to get you out of there as soon as possible and into what you would assume to be greener pastures. So I get it. You know, we we have this thought and we've had it with the Ali situation uh, where, you know, he wanted his release. He wasn't granted his release. They weren't just using him on television. They were just paying him to stay home and situations like that, and we all thought that was ridiculous. Free Ali was trending, and everything was going on like that. And then you had the situation of people saying what was happening with Malachi Black and and uh, Murphy and all this type of stuff. And look, we've had people who want to wanted to leave AEW, and a lot of times in those situations, the contracts are like, you know. The releases are requests are, are agreed upon and they're able to go their separate ways. But at this point right now, uh, Tony Khan knows who he sees as a valuable commodity and is going to strive to keep the people that he wants to keep regardless of whether or not they want to follow through on the remainder of their contract. Which again, like unless there's a buyout or unless there's outside interest that's willing to do a deal with the company to get you out of it and like pay back what you're owed, then you're not, there's not much you can do. So, and sure, sure it might be unfair, but you signed the deal. So you my, can't, my thing is this, we have all complained at one time or not about the WWE's policy where technically their contracts are 90 day renewing contracts because they can release you at any time, uh, pay you for 90 days and then you're done. Right? Well, AEW's like, we're going to be different. We're going to honor all of our contracts, right? Which is great. But on the other end, if they're saying they're going to honor their contract, that should go for both parties. You know, if you're going to honor the contract, both sides should honor the contract. It's like, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm like, I am all about wrestlers' rights and I want them to do whatever. I'm pro wrestler union. I'm all about that kind of stuff because I want wrestlers to be protected. But in the current state of things, the contracts are kind of one way, right? They're like, you sign a contract, they can either, you know, not pay you or whatever. AEW has decided to go in the middle. And they're like, hey, 
If you're on the contract, long as you don't do anything against the contract, which like break rules or whatever, where you have to get fired, which I think has only happened with one person, um, you're go we're going to honor your contract. We're going to keep paying you as long as that's the case. And so in that case, with them trying to play the fair card, I think it's only fair that the wrestlers stay for the remainder of their contract. Yeah, is it not what you necessarily agree to? Sure, maybe not. But yeah, when I worked at my job, when I started at my job, there was a certain job description. I'm like, we are eight years into my job and my job looks nothing like it did when I first started here. It's That's just life, you know? I, and I don't have a contract. I have the right to leave when I want to. So I just want I just want uh, the wrestlers to say, you know, when you have this camps where it's fair at least it's fair. What they're doing is fair because when they sign you to a contract, they start making plans, they start booking, they start putting your name on merchandise and selling it. They brand, they trademark the name House of Black. I'm just using this as an example. And they push you and they give you all of this, the entrances, the flags, and all that stuff. All that stuff comes with money that AEW is eating. They, get, they should get the opportunity to get their return on your investment, return on their investment before you say, hey, I'm out. You know? And that's all. I think that's what it comes down to. Why, why, won't, why won't TK release it? Or I don't know if it's official that he won't release anybody. I'm pretty sure there's different situations for everything. But it's just like, I've put money in you, right? I signed a contract where I get your services for this amount of time. You should no you should stick to your word and commit because you want me to stick to my word and keep paying you. Yeah, and again, like I said, with my with my last job that I had, I signed for a year and a half and I only fulfilled 10 months of that contract. So for the remaining time that was on my contract, I had to pay the company that amount of time. Like that's how contracts work in that regard. And that's what the AEW contracts are. They aren't the 90 day things that the WWE form, um, which of course they have their drawbacks, but then they also have their, they also have their benefits where it's like, if you want out, there's a good chance you can get out if you want to. But like, again, the company could still hold you if they choose to, which that was the issue with Ali is like, you know, their contracts were the 90-day deals, and it wasn't like he, that he was signed for a multi-year thing that he had to refill. They just wouldn't let him go. That was the whole problem with that. So, I, look, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of fans, a lot of fans, ourselves included, we are not previewed, we are not previewed to the inner workings of contracts in wrestling. That's just not how things are for us. Now, if a wrestler wants to leave and they are not allowed to, normally that is viewed as a bad. But with AEW and WWE reportedly having the different contracts that they have and Tony Khan saying what people are assigned to and what they're not, look, I get it, but you literally have these wrestlers coming out and speaking out at the reports about them wanting to get out. Like, you have Malachi Black speaking out on the reports saying that he wants out. It's like, he's like, no... I never said I asked for my release. So, you know, it's just right now for wrestling fans, it's hard for people to look to sources because even if they're reliable, there's a good chance shit is just not true. There is no there is no local news or ESPN for uh There's no Associated Press or anything. Yeah, for uh wrestling. 
the reporters get lied to. And they get lied to by uh, multiple people telling the same lie. And then they report the lie, and it's like, oh, my God, you get it wrong. Well, you know what? If Malachi, <laughs> last week, when he decided he was taking the time off, came online and told exactly why he was taking time off and what was going on, there would have been no reports. Mm-hmm. Or if he actually did an interview with one of these people, Sean Ross Sapp, pick one, pick one, and said what was going on, there are no reports. When you don't say anything, people are going to speculate. No matter what. That is how it is. If you don't tell someone your story and you don't, for lack of a better term, control your narrative, if you don't, someone's going to make up one. Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> I, there's not much else we can say in that matter. It's just, you know, it is what it is. But No, no but that's enough of that. But that was yeah. fun. That was fun. That was fun. I, I, I sure. It. I honestly, I honestly thought you were going to talk about the reports about the buyout that are look that's looking to be met for Punk. That's what I thought. Oh uh, no, talk. no. The whole thing with Punk is this. I, I, on my, and you know, I said I wasn't going to say anything until new oh. news, and it really no, exactly. And that's the thing. It really isn't new news. It's just like they're looking to buy him out. It's like, yeah. which you know what? That it, it makes a whole lot of fucking sense. Yeah, my whole thing was always this uh, with it. Yeah, if you're not going to, if you, y'all can't come to a way that you can make money from this and put on a good storyline or whatever you want to do, it's the only example. If they can't work together, someone has to go. Yeah. One name, one one group's name is literally on the company. The other one's only been here for a year. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can't. He's been here for a year, and he's been injured the last three months, you know? He's worked two matches since May. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, since I guess it happened in June. But he's hasn't worked very often. And like he said, he's old, he's tired, and he works with children, as he put it. And it's just like, yeah. It's like, it, and when, I, when he said that, now that I think about it, I'm like, well, he says he works with children, but who kind of threw the public hissy fit? Sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you think about it like that, like on the outside, but like I said, I've, I, I've always been like, Hey, team punk. I've always said that, but it is what it is. I, 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 I sucks that I never, we never got the MJF thing to play out. And even worse to me is we, it sucks that we didn't get this to play out on TV. Cause I sure. thought this would have been fun to play out on TV, but if they're at the point where it's irreconcilable differences, they can't work together it's probably best that Punk leaves. Because sure. as I've stated before, I mean, I mean, you got three healthy guys and one injury-prone guy. Who mm-hmm. are you going to pick? I'm just saying pragmatically. Not taking right. my feelings out of it. <laughs> who, who should you go with? Yeah. <laughs> so, now, um, all right, yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about some, uh, let's talk about some, uh, what's it called? Grand Slam. Yeah, let's talk about some Grand Slams, and there was plenty of those for AEW Dynamite and Rampage this week. So, of course, Grand Slam was broadcasted from the Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York, and Dynamite opened up with the Ring of Honor World Championship match between Claudio Castagnoli and looking to be the Ocho, Chris Jericho, who was looking for his eighth world title uh, in his illustrious career that he has. My boy, Ian Riccoboni, shout out on the broadcast booth. 
it still meant that the broadcast team was way too cluttered, in my opinion, because you had, I think, Shivani was there, and then you had Excalibur, and then Taz was there as well. It's like, it's still cluttered with four, more than three people. Like, I love Ian, and I was glad he was there, but man, somebody's got to sub out. Like, I need people subbing out if another person's going to guest in, because it gets to a point where it's too much. It gets to a point where it's too much. But and having different two man, three man teams for each thing would make each match feel special. When absolutely, you have four people on there. It's just hard to keep up with. Yeah, and you always get the you get a ton of the oh excuse me I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, then so many things or people just accidentally calling somebody somebody else because there's three other people on the table with them. So, like, look, I I love everybody that commentates for AEW. It needs to be a two-man or a three-man booth, and then occasionally have a guest. Like, but swap people out. Shivani doesn't have to be there every single match. He can swap out. He already does when he goes to do backstage interviews and stuff like that. And hell, for one of the matches on Dynamite, he wasn't even in it. He wasn't even on commentary for about like half of the match because he was dealing with storyline shit. So yeah, and just like when it's ROH, why can't it just be Rickabani and Caprice? Uh, or Caprice, yeah, that's fine. I'm just saying, why can't it just be the ROH team? You know what I mean? I would still have an AEW rep uh, there, just regardless of that. Just to I mean, be- I, I'm one of those people that I can agree, because I always want Excalibur there, because dude cleans up more mess-ups than anybody ever. Yes, I mean, absolutely. Th- that's his job. It's like, hey, yeah, JR's going to say something wrong. Just uh, go ahead and clean that up for him. Thanks, sir. <laughs> but, getting, but getting into the match itself, um, Jericho, um, he did adhere to the code of, code of Honor to begin with, but then just started going after, like, slap across the face after he adhered to it. Claudia was uppercutting the hell out of Jericho. Uh, there was a moment where Jericho, like, literally, I was concerned for his leg when he got dropped onto the top rope because it looked like he landed, like, nearly sideways on the top rope. Um Everybody was doing really good work on this. Uh, there was a great moment where uh, Jericho tried to go for uh, uh, Jericho tried to uh, well, yeah, it was uh, Claudio trying to hit the avalanche recall bomb off of the top rope, and Jericho manages to counter it into a hurricanrana, which looked amazing. Uh, and then Claudio was able to get in a sharpshooter and then also do his amazing swing. Um, a lot of good near falls in this. There was multiple times where Jericho tried to cheat, tried to cheat with Floyd the Bat, tried to cheat with a low blow, but Claudia was able to counteract it every single time. However, until when he grabbed his bat, the referee was distracted, and then he uh, proceeded to, while the referee was turned to get rid of the bat, finally he's able to get a low blow on Claudio, hit the Judas effect, and Chris Jericho is now the Ring of Honor World Champion. Yet another company that Chris Jericho, quite possibly the greatest of all time, has gone to and won their world title. So, and I loved how Ian was just distraught. It's just like the like the the antithesis of Ring of Honor. The most dishonorable man I know wins the Ring of Honor World Championship, and the Jericho appreciation comes out, celebrates, and gives a congratulations. Daniel Garcia, the Ring of Honor Pure Champion, was at the top of the ramp. Gave a high five, but he was very reluctant on that. Uh, and he even had some things to say as well when they were celebrating on Rampage. Uh, this was a really good opener. The crowd was hot, and they were hot for pretty much the entire night. Um, and this was a really good opener. I thought these guys did a great job. I love Claudio. 
And while him losing the Ring of Honor title is a bummer, I still think that there's so much great things for him to accomplish. The Blackpool Combat Club has been the team in AEW that has been used consistently all across the board. Every single member has been getting a chance to shine. And, you know, I got nothing nothing to worry about with Claudio. He already won a world title when he left uh, immediately, like within the first year of him being in AEW slash Ring of Honor. So I'm sure he's going to continue to do great things. And, yeah, this was an awesome opener. The greatest sports entertainer of all time is the champion of Ring of Honor, the pure professional wrestling program. Oh, my God, doesn't it sting? Uh, it's so hard. Yes, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I just like, if you're, your idea, uh, if your idea is to get um, ROH its own TV show, was there a better name to get than Chris Jericho? Because Chris Jericho's name is what helped sell AEW. They, they needed a big name that everyone knew, and it was Chris Jericho. And now R he could do the same for ROH. I mean, li- literally, you look at the ROH champions, you're looking at Chris Jericho as the world champion, Samoa Joe as the TV champion, the best tag team in the world, FTR, as your tag team champions, and Daniel Garcia, one of the hottest up-and-coming t- uh, wrestlers in the world, as your pure champion. And then you, I forgot about the six-man champions. You have Dalton Castle and the boys. So you have a very solid lineup of champions in ROH that I think you could sell TV on. So I thought this was great. thought this was a great match. Claudio, uh, Claudio is one of the most consistent, best wrestlers in the world. Like, he just he doesn't have a lot of mess-ups. And it, it seems like he can carry people if need be or with Jericho. He does, of course, he doesn't need to carry Jericho. Jericho's the GOAT, but he was able to, you know, put the shine more on Jericho. I, I thought this was one of Jericho's best-looking matches in a while, and I think a lot of it is because of Claudio. And great finish, a great, uh, great finish, and everything Jericho's been doing, saying everything's not honorable and all that stuff as he's been going forward has been great, and it's a big F you to Ring of Honor fans, and it's... That's how you become it. That's how you be a heel right there. Yeah, absolutely. We then quickly moved on to another huge match on this show, which was the AEW World Tag Team Championship match between Swerve and Our Glory and Limitless against the acclaimed. And man, shout out to the freaking rap representation that AEW got for this show. Cause there was so fucking many people that were used in this uh, in this entire Grand Slam weekend. Uh, we had, coming out with Swerve in Our Glory, we had Fabulous, who showed up as they were rocking Nick's colors. And then for the Acclaim, DJ Who Kid! DJ Who Kid comes out with the Acclaimed, which I thought was the fucking shit. Um, and that's not even just saying uh, what happened on Grand Slam, which we'll get to that when we get to that. But, man, I was just so... I was so freaking happy with, like, just the representation. Because, again, I'll tell you what. Swerve Strickland, he makes the contacts, and he gets people to show up. Because the amount of rap people that have been showing up in AEW has been crazy. My my good friend Jared, huge hip-hop head. We've talked about him on the show. Floyd met him at Double or Nothing. 
that dude is such a rap fan. When he saw the names that were showing up in AEW, he was like, what the hell, man? It's like, it's not like you were getting like people that were like, you know, you'd expect to see on WWE. I, it's like, it's crazy just the amount of rap rappers and hip hop people that they've been able to get for AEW. And as somebody who loves both, I fucking love it. Um, and I just had to point that out first, but I, I, I don't even know what to say with this match. You know, it's like, this is what people had been waiting so long for. Like the acclaimed has been the, at this time and point, the hottest tag team that AEW has scissor me. Daddy has, run rough shot over AEW. If I go to AEW shopaew.com right now, Scissor Me Daddy Ass is still the top selling t-shirt on shopaew.com. Right behind it is the $100 acclaimed basketball jersey. So, look man, these guys are moving. They are making noise, they are moving merchandise, they are doing everything you would want out of a top tag team. And this was their crowning moment, you know. Swerve continuing to be an outstanding heel. Keith Lee, despite getting booze, was still outstanding. And he ended up getting hit by Swerve, which cost them the match. We had the incredible use of Billy Gunn getting the Famouser on uh, Swerve Strickland when the referee was distracted. That set up for the acclaim to come out and get the victory. Tons of great near falls. Tons of great moments. The crowd was going nuts. And the coronation of the acclaimed as your new... AEW World Tag Team Champions. I know Floyd will say, you know, hold those belts for as long as you can because you know the boys, FTR, the longest number one contenders for the Tag Team Champions, will be looking very, very closely to grabbing those. And they said so, in fact, after the show, I mean, after that match was over, until they were interrupted by the Ass Boys because, of course, there's got to be a thorn in their side as they proceed to try to get the, the AEW World Tag Team titles back. But shout out... Anthony Bowen, shout out Max Caster. I'm so happy, especially for Bowens, just for the representation in terms of having a active black gay wrestler hold a major title in AEW. I think it's just such a cool fucking thing. And you wouldn't even notice. You wouldn't notice. No one would say anything. Nobody cares. Because at the end of the day, the claimed are just good. And everybody loves the claimed, regardless of sex, race, like orientation, doesn't matter. People love the acclaimed, and this was a huge moment for them. And quite frankly, I'm excited for when Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee also split up to become singles wrestlers. Because if you want a top heel, Swerve can be a great top heel. And Keith Lee's world championship material does not fucking matter what company he's in. That dude could be world championship material anywhere. So, this was awesome. I love this. Oh, scissor me, dad. So fucking oh, funny. Scissor me, daddy. No, uh, this was a great tag team match. Uh, I've seen people say it, this wasn't as good as the all out one, but I thought this was just a great match. I really did. I enjoyed both immensely. They went with the result that they went with and you know there's so many people you want to just be like oh i'm proud of this i'm proud of that of course uh bowens and caster being on in the empty crowd arena losing every match the first match they ever lost was to the best friends someone sent out the uh, max caster's like first rap with anthony bowens uh it's critically acclaimed and and it's like this is like this is tony khan's creation the claim is Tony Khan's creation. 
He put them together. He gave them the name. That's it. But then they ran with it. They ran with it. And like, you know, you t- they talk about giving people the ball all the time. But dude, this is like an undrafted free agent becoming the best player in the NFL. This is Antonio Gates. The acclaimed are the Antonio Gates of AEW. Because no one saw this coming. They were they were uh uh they were a jobber tag team. Then they were a nice little entertainment thing because of their entrance. They ripped off John. Some people said John Cena always said they were more of a new age outlaws. Uh and then they were a cool little mid card tag team. They gave you hope spots and it was just like and they just kept proving that they were a little bit more than what you thought and a little bit more than what you thought and a little bit more than what you thought. And now they have joined the great lineage of AEW champions. The only title, and this is not to jinx my beautiful title, the only title in AEW that has not had an interim uh, interim champion. Is well, that, what, not the All-Atlantic. Well, yeah, that one just came. Well, it didn't count. I'm talking about all the other ones. TNT? <laughs> Whatever. TBS? Whatever. I was like, it's been a crazy year for champions this year, so. It has. No, uh, Bowens and Caster, they're amazing. Max Caster has. Either way, huge moment for the acclaimed. Yeah, Max Caster has, like, this charisma that's off the charts. And Anthony Bowens, man, he's come through. And it was just like, I love this moment. I love the match. I loved all the false finishes. There was at one point where I thought Keith Lee and Swerve were just going to get the win. And then you got the Famouser. And then there was this weird moment where Caster just kind of fell off the top ropes. Where he was gonna yeah, yeah. He was going to go for the mic drop, but he hurt his knee or something. Yeah, I would like to know what that was. And then you had the rappers outside and then the celebration. And it's like you're you're like so proud and so happy for them and like it ain't like i've known them my whole life but i've known them as long as they've been in AEW, and it just feels like you know it's good it's good and like i said tony has been called you know the money mark and all that kind of shit and as far as wrestling this was his idea this putting them together was his idea did they run with it and do everything after that absolutely I'm not trying to take any credit away from them. It's just, it's a lot of credit to go around. And I think there's a lot of praise to go around. And uh, Claim was a team effort. And yeah, uh, it, it, it is what it is. Great representation of the AEW Tag Team Division. I actually don't have a complaint about them being AEW Tag Team Champions. It was a great story. You know, all stories in though. All stories in though. Um, just throwing that out there. And I just like to let you know, FTR was number one contender so long uh, as tag team champions that they literally broke the rankings and they quit posting it. <laughs> <laughs> they just so. just like every every time they would post it, it would be like hundreds of people asking, like saying FTR has been number one contenders again for this long. So I think they just quit posting. <laughs> think like no. I think they did. Honestly, they're just like we're just tired of this. This is not. This is not working out the way that we thought. <laughs> so and then then it looks like the FTR is going to be in a little feud with the ass boys. And you know, I want to see FTR wrestle. That's the big thing with me. I want to see them wrestle. Unlike those jerks at New Japan that aren't uh, putting on the uh, show this weekend uh, live. I want to see 
FTR wrestle on my TV. If it's the Ass Boys, if it's uh, uh, if it's uh, Proud and Powerful, if it's uh, the Lucha Bros, I don't care. I just want to see my guys do what they do better than anyone in the world, and that's wrestle. And I, I just, I'm just very excited at the premise that they're gonna have another feud. I think the Ass Boys play perfect asses. You know, for that feud, perfect bad guys for it. And so I'm looking forward to that going forward. And uh, it was funny. Uh, just shout out to Rich if you're listening to this. The the ass boys uh, insulted FTR and did a, the FTR, when are we going to do this? And they're whining. And somebody's like, oh, man, Floyd, did that hurt your feelings? I was like, shit, Rich, that's the worst things than that in our uh, group chat. It doesn't bother me. like, y'all are. I'm like, I'm like, they got their shit on, uh, they got their shit on pro and Rich plays on all Madden. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> so no, uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right. We then had an interview with Wheeler Yuta out on the ramp with Tony Schiavone and then MJF proceeds to interrupt them, uh, and proclaims to the city of New York that the devil has arrived. And he's like, look, these people seem to worship the ground I walk on. So that makes all of you my loyal devil worshippers. Keep pissing off the Christians because I've seen Russell Crane share some actual Christians that are getting mad about it. Keep pissing them off, please. I very much like that. Um, Wheeler Yuta is uh, confronted though, as he says, "Look, you seem to be confused because you've never seen a reaction to these pe- like this." It's like I'm a god to these people. I'm a generational talent, and Yuta proceeds to go, "Well, you have more catchphrases than friends," and wants to go down the route of being like well you just got engaged recently and it's like you know what i'm not gonna go down that road you know she's smart but maybe too smart because maybe she's already figured out just like all of us that you're a piece of garbage and she's gonna walk out on you just of us and i was just like all right goddamn and then mjf proceeds to say how his friends in the blackpool combat club they're not just fighting for the world title tonight they're fighting to lose the championship to MJF. And eventually, he talks about, like, are you going to go to all these people and be like, uh, oh, oh, uh, Mr. Danielson, can you teach me how to nearly kill myself with my, my breaking my, every single bone in my body? Oh, Mr. Moxley, oh, well, he's got nothing good to teach anybody. And then, oh, Mr. Regal, Mr. Regal, can you teach me how to pop pills? And then that's when Yuta proceeds to swing on MJF. Yuta gets headbutted by MJF, and then they just start uh, going after it. Uh, Tony Schiavone gets shoved by MJF. Yuta is going after him, and then W. Morrissey proceeds to come out from behind, grabbing Yuta. MJF gets his dynamite dynamite diamond ring, dips Yuta in the face with it, and there's heel MJF consistently just ripping everybody to shreds. And I'm just like... Man, you know, this guy is just despicable. And I like a Yuta versus, uh, uh, like, just a little match to tease for whenever he decides to cash the ch- chip in. I would like to see a Yuta versus uh, uh, MJF match. I think that would be a very good one to watch. Um, but, yes, we know we have to be prepared for MJF with that chip, which could lead to an MJF holding the AEW World Championship which I know a lot of people are excited for. I'm dreading that. Like, actually dreading it. So, but that's just me. But I will probably pass this off to Floyd. So, I want the Devil Worshipper shirt that just came out on Shop AEW. But 
first of all, first of all, I am a Christian. Not, that doesn't come up very often. Uh, that doesn't come up very often, as in, you know, I, I can think my spirituality is something personal. I don't bring that up. Second of all, my uncle is a pastor. Yeah, see, there's a problem there. Yeah, so that's a conversation I don't want to have. So that shirt's going to stay where it is. But I am going to get the greatest trick that devil uh, ever pulled shirt because that's just a popular saying. It's not popularizing the devil. So, uh, no, uh, it's, yeah, this was fun. I, people had thought that, I've heard people think that Yuta got destroyed. I thought Yuta held his own and has shown growth on the mic. I'm not saying he's perfect or he went toe-to-toe with MJF, but I felt like he showed growth and he showed a little bit more confidence on the mic, and that's good. I mean, I mean, you're on... You're on the mic against a generational talent. Whatever you say to MJF, he has 11 comebacks, and they're perfect. And because he has the audience in the pound of his, uh, in his hand, they're going to react no matter what. I remember The Rock used to say the most ridiculous comebacks that shouldn't have worked, didn't even mean anything. But because he was The Rock and he said it with energy, it was like, oh, my God, The Rock got him. And that's kind of what MJF's in. He could have called him a he could have called him a, a silly little grapefruit, which makes no sense. But people would have been like, "Oh my God, he killed! <laughs> he killed him!" Because MJF's untouchable right now. He is arguably the biggest star in AEW right now. He's a homegrown talent, and he's super hot. He just had to come back. He is in rarefied air right now. He is on a different level than anybody else. So I thought for MJF being in the spot that he is, Yuta uh, held up. Uh, I and shout out to all the members of the Blackpool Combat Club for allowing him to say <laughs> those terrible things. I mean, terrible. And like, literally, like, he talked about Daniel Bryan's brain injury, man. It's bad. It's there is no line for MJF. It is great. Uh, the match with Willow Yuta, whenever it happens, is going to be great. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I actually like this segment a lot. I thought it furthered the storyline. MJ needs something. MJF needs something to do until he does the thing, which I am looking forward to because you're going to think. Like the most popular wrestler, when he gets that three, you're gonna think the most popular wrestler in the world uh, won the title, and it's like no, the biggest dick in the world actually won the title. And shout out to our boy W. Morrissey. This is his perfect role. He is the heater. MJF needs a heater. He had Wardlow. Now he has W. Morrissey. That's this is his perfect role. You know, he is a giant that does giant shit. And I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We move on now to the All-Atlantic Championship match between Pac and freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. Some great just taunting and shit like that from Orange Cassidy. His head games always works amazing. Um, Pac consistently just, these guys work so well together. We saw them do great stuff. Uh, I believe it was, uh, was it, 
Revolution? Yeah, it was Revolution 2020. These guys did great stuff together. Um, and I especially loved when Pac was getting ready for the red, for the Black Arrow. And freaking, not only does he decide to roll out of the way, when he sets him up a second time to hit the Black Arrow, he just puts his feet straight up in the air and then just motions, come on, jump, hit it, hit the move, try hitting the move, try it. And I just thought it was amazing. Such a good thing. Orange Cassidy was getting a ton of great offense. The transition from the brutalizer into a pin was great, and then he got the orange punch to try to get it, but then the bottom rope was grabbed to stop everything from happening and save the match. Um, however, the match closed out with Pac getting a nice little cheat victory by getting the ring bell hammer and nailing Orange Cassidy in the face with it, and then that's when he quickly threw him in the middle of the ring, pinned him, and Pac retains the All-Atlantic uh, championship and yeah big moment there for them we've already seen two titles change hands on this show one remains on the current champion which is the all-atlantic title remaining on pack he still remains AEW's one and only double champion in all elite, elite wrestling this is a really good match i thought these guys did great work i love that pack got the win because while i love orange cassidy he's a character that really doesn't need a championship like because do you really want a champion who doesn't try that hard? Like, I would think no. But these guys did great. Um, never have a problem when these two wrestle. They can always wrestle all the time, and they'll do great. So, just for all the people out there shocked that Pac would cheat, his name is The Bastard. The Bastard. He is, does not have this super nice uh, wo- uh, name that warms your soul like Orange Cassidy. Freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. He's the bastard. And he hates Orange Cassidy. He hates that Orange Cassidy exists. That's been the thing. He doesn't think Orange Cassidy should be a wrestler or be on this earth. He would. He has the one bullet. It goes straight for OC. And that's how he wrestled this match. He hates Orange Cassidy. So the moment he got that hammer and hit him in the head, it was like, it's because I hate you. You know, it's like, so eventually I see down the road, Orange Cassidy do eventually getting the pinfall and getting the win and winning the title from Pac. Cause to me, it has to be Pac. Like if he ever wins, if he wins the title off of anybody, yes, it has to be Pac. It has to be Pac and the world will rejoice. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, this match is excellent. Pac's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Orange Cassidy is really good, but it's just like, Pack is so effortless in how good he is that you forget how good he is. He he, he doesn't. It's never. It doesn't. Nothing he does looks hard, for mm-hmm. but it's easy for him. And he, it, this match was just like I'm watching it, and I'm like, man, this dude is good <laughs> because he can yeah. do anything. He can be in any position. It's like he shouldn't be as strong enough to pull off some of the stuff he pulls off. He's athletic on this different level. And Orange Cassidy's right there, right there with him, move for move. Orange Cassidy, like, I mean, again, I've always said the most unique wrestling character ever for me. And the fact that, you know, he explodes and gets his moves in. But in this match, you know, he attacked him early and he was showing a different side of Orange Cassidy. The side that only a bastard can bring out. I really enjoyed this match. One day, Orange Cassidy will get the win and the world will rejoice. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely, that will be the case. We then moved on to the four-way for the AEW Interim Women's World Championship match. 
Can I say real quickly, it's crazy that Serena Deeb, all she did was straighten her hair and she looks like she looks like she's like wrestling in her in her mid twenties again. It's crazy. Like I couldn't believe how much younger she looked with her hair straight. It made no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense as I say it right now, but just it was the first thing I thought of is like, oh my god, like she looks younger somehow. I don't know how that makes any sense, but regardless, she always looks great. But and she did a great job in this match as well. I especially loved that one moment where she had. Uh, she was doing great moves on two wrestlers at the same time where she had, I believe it was Athena. Uh, uh, Tony Storm with another move. And just like the way that she was able to do like double team moves together, like was so fucking effortless. And she, she, she did a great job of getting herself like involved in this match of three wrestlers that like we're at this point more people were interested with, but Serena D kept people interested in her, which I got to say is great. Um, Athena looked awesome. I especially love the moment where she carried both Britt Baker and uh, Tony. I think it was Britt Baker and Serena D at the same time. And she proceeded to throw them both, which was crazy. At one point, uh, Britt Baker got her nose completely broken and was bleeding a lot. Um, Jamie Hayter uh, came down to the ring and uh, they double teamed Tony Storm and Serena Deeb while uh, attacking Athena after the match was over. But regardless, Tony Storm was able to uh, cradle Dr. Britt Baker before the match was uh, before the match and get the win to retain the interim women's championship. But that's when Jamie Hayter, we thought she was going to turn on Dr. Britt Baker DMD. She did not. She re- realigned for the moment, and they teamed up, like I said, on uh, Tony Storm while Serena Deeb was going after Athena. Uh, curb stomp onto Athena. As the glove was put on, though, music started playing, and Soraya. Paige here! She is now all elite. Soraya is in AEW. Literally the last person I would have thought I would see in AEW. And all I'm all I gotta say is because I know we have not gotten full confirmation yet, but the fact that she came out the way that she did, if she's cleared to wrestle, like talk about a return like that is like everyone was so happy when Edge returned, which were absolutely so. When Brian Danielson was able to keep wrestling, which absolutely so. Um if Soraya is able to wrestle now and she's able to wrestle, and she's cleared to wrestle. Like, talk about a comeback for somebody who hasn't been able to wrestle for years because of injury. And it it sucked so much because she was great. One of the brightest spots at a time when the women's women's wrestling hadn't reached uh, a full apex. Girls like Paige and AJ Lee were the two girls I point to when women's wrestling started to get better. And then, of course... The four women as the four horsemen women, the ones that truly solidified that women's wrestling had become bigger than it had ever been. So her being an AEW is huge. I'm so excited to see what Soraya does. And this the pop she got was huge. She was like just seeing her shout. This is my house now. Like fucking flashback to the mid 2010s dude like hell yes i'm so happy to see what she's able to do in AEW. so fun fact if i haven't said this well i don't i don't i've talked about soraya or Paige a lot on this match i was actually there at the show when she debuted and won the title 
it was in San Jose. I was actually there for that, which is great. Um, no, uh, was that San Jose or New Orleans? It was New Orleans, excuse me. Uh, so yeah, because it was after WrestleMania. Thirty. It was after thirty. So uh, yeah. Uh, so I was there when she debuted, and yeah, so awesome. And so when it, uh, she came out, and I was like, man, this is perfect. Because if she wrestles, I imagine with her neck, the way it is, she can't wrestle a lot, right? AEW has a schedule, and has a deep enough roster, she could pretty much just work pay-per-views and big shows, and it would be fine, you know what I mean? And that's exactly what I thought. So I hope she's all cleared and good, and she came out to the music, I guess that was her uh boyfriend's uh band uh so i thought that was kind of cool and yeah she said this is my house and Britt baker sold it so well with the impression because Britt baker is so amazing and she was all bloody because Britt baker people like to treat Britt baker's face uh like you know like a sounding board or something they just beat the shit out of her i don't know brit's always bleeding she bleeds almost as much as cody and uh so when it comes down to it i am so happy for soraya i'm so happy that her wrestling career gets to continue uh i you know um yeah long as they can do it safe and keep her healthy i'm for it so i know tony you know probably you know has the doctors looking into it and everything and again I'm not I hope she's not just working random dynamites and working thirty matches a year. I'd say what, eight to ten? Sounds good. You know? Keep yeah, that healthy, sounds good. Take care of her. I mean, seriously, if you if you think about it, how many times and I only can use this because I, I know around the amount of times, how many times have you seen FTR on dynamite this year? Not much. Yeah, you know what I mean? Much. Not, not much wrestling. You can do the same thing with Soraya. So I, I am down and happy for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's going to be huge just seeing what she does. We now move on, though, to the main event of Dynamite Grand Slam, which was the Tournament of Champions finals between John Moxley and the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, BCC versus BCC, who would become the new AEW World Champion and... These guys fucking beat the shit out of each other. The chops that fucking were landed on Moxley by Danielson were so fucking... They were they were echoing throughout Arthur Ashe Stadium. These guys were putting the boots to each other, just proceeding to kick each other and knock each other to pieces. Um, Danielson and Moxley just did really great stuff. There was a moment where literally they were both mounted and they were like on each other, on each other, on their heads while they're slapping each other. And eventually Danielson's able to turn it into the cattle mutilation, which was a crazy fucking move. Um, regardless, though, they just start beating the shit out of each other. Danielson's able to get the label lock locked in after transitioning from a triangle sleeper. Moxley, though, is able to get out of it. And he fucking in this match, he didn't get the pin from it, but he hit the curb stomp. And the reaction that that crowd got from seeing fucking John Moxley hit the move of his former Shield partner was amazing. And I gotta say, I was just sitting there being like, "Hit a spear, just one time, just one time, hit a spear, just do it." Like I wanted to be on like a random ass show too that makes no sense. Just hit a spear out of nowhere, and I want to see that crowd erupt because the way they reacted when he hit when he hit the curb stomp was amazing 
Um, and the fact that that didn't win the match either was also great. And the pop that that got from that near fall was amazing. Um, regardless, though, after Moxley was able to hit the Death Rider on the stage, he then proceeded to get a rear naked choke on Danielson. And he tried to escape, but eventually Moxley was able to flatten Danielson out on his stomach while he had the choke out. Danielson fades out. And John Moxley wins the AEW championship. He is now the first ever three-time AEW world champion. Renee, I guess the vacation got moved. I guess it got moved because this man is still running AEW like he never left. And it makes sense, dude. Moxley has been and will be probably for generations now the face of AEW from the jump. From when this man debuted at Double or Nothing back in 2019, this man has absolutely solidified himself as the face of All Elite Wrestling. And he has worn that moniker with such pride. He loves everything that he's been able to do at AEW. And it's so clear, as clear as day. And, I mean, look, Danielson will get there again, guaranteed. But... It's just big for Moxley, you know. I mean, he definitely got a lot of shit shrouded on the fact that for a while he was called interim champion and he had to deal with, you know, being champion at around the time when all people could do was talk about punk and whatever the hell was happening backstage and whatnot. But now it's like the focus can be put on Moxley here and he consistently proves of how good of a champion he is when fans are around. It's like, is crazy closer to that and... Danielson can still say, like, man, he hasn't been able to beat John Moxley. John Moxley is one of those guys that, like, he just can't seem to beat right now, which I think can also be a nice little nod to, like, you know, if, God forbid, knock on wood, I don't want it to happen, but if BCC was to ever have, like, cracks in it, like, Danielson just being fed up with the fact that, like, he's viewed as second best in Moxley because he can't beat Moxley, I think would be a really interesting story if they go down that path. Later, though, later. I want BCC to reign for a while. But this is a great way to close out Grand Slam. And honestly, I think this Grand... Like, after watching the matches and everything like that, I think this Grand Slam was better than last year's. I firmly I firmly believe that. Because while Grand Slam won back in 2021 had a better one match with Danielson and Kenny Omega, that match was better than everything that we saw here. Everything else, though, was just good to okay. Overall, from top to bottom, this ma- this show was better than last year's. I can firmly say that. Yes, uh, this match was excellent. Very hard hitting, very physical. Exactly what you expect from Brian Danielson and John Moxley. Uh, they they did the finish and how they did the finish, and I'm loving it. Every time they have a match, it's a different finish. I mean, it's only been two matches, but completely different finish than last time. Last time it was kind of like, oh, rolls you up. This time. He literally, uh, as uh, Danielson was trying to get out of a move, he actually put himself in the worst situation and almost kind of choked himself out, in essence. Uh, and uh, Moxley was just one step better than him. And I, I, I'm with you. I don't know how long Brian Danielson can handle the fact that someone is better than him because he is, considers himself the best in the world. And Moxley is just a little bit better. A little bit better. How long is he going to be able to handle this? Uh, Blackpool Combat Club, it really is on fire. Even though they've lost some belts, it really still is on fire. Uh, John Moxley flies that flag of AEW 
uh, as well as anyone. Uh, he he embodies what AEW as a company is supposed to be. It's all about wrestling and winning and getting rid of the bull crap. And I think he did a good job. He actually cut a speech after this. And, you know, and he's like, uh, the, the belt doesn't define me. I define the belt. And I'm like, man, I love it. He's like, being a good person, being a good human is what defines me. Yes, it is. You know what's funny? The Mox has this gruff exterior, like this angry, I'll kick your ass type look, like uh, fucking John McClane on steroids and all that stuff. But that was the most baby face promo ever. I mean, that's freaking Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Jeff, Hart, Jeff Hardy. It was the most sugary, sweet, white meat baby face ever. Just said in the voice of a very angry John Moxley. He can make you believe everything that he says. But it was like, it, it was crazy. It was straight baby face promo and I loved it. And yeah, I love I loved the result. Mox versus MJF. That's the money match. I've been saying it. Uh, you know, full gear. Uh, uh, full gear. I don't know if that's where it happens, but, you know, that's the money match. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And we do know that after the show went off the air, Regal got in the ring, and after the match was over, Brian Danielson shoved him as the show was going off the air. So really? we do know there's... Yeah, that's what's written in here in the, uh, in the notes for... Uh, the results on the on the official website. He shoved uh, Regal as the show was going off the air. I didn't see it, but apparently that's what they're saying happened. I didn't see it either. So yeah, so there's that. You know, we got that at least. Um, but that's how we closed out AEW Dynamite for Grand Slam week. We now move over to the two-hour rampage for Grand Slam, which opened up with a no-disqualification match between the House of Black between of Brody King and Buddy Matthews with Julia Hart against Darby Allen and Sting. As the House of Black was making their entrance, Darby and Sting immediately ambush them, and Darby jumps on the back of, Buddy, of Brody King. Sting starts beating up on Buddy Matthews, and then while Sting is beating up Buddy, Julia Hart jumps on Sting's back and is trying to, like, flail on him while she's trying so hard, but Sting just keeps beating up Buddy. Um... And I thought this was a good match. This was a match that had some really uh, good moments. Of course, Darby flying like a fucking bullet out of, like, suicide dives and shit like that. There's a point where he was able to, uh, they they got uh, Sting handcuffed to a chair, and that's when they started uh, beating up on Darby Allen by himself. Uh, regardless, Darby proceeded to climb up the entrance tunnel and hit a coffin drop onto Buddy Matthews. Then Brody tried to choke out Darby in a sleeper like he did in Detroit all, all those months back. But Darby proceeded to roll and proceed to throw both of them off the stage through a table. But regardless, though, Buddy Matthews eventually was able to get back up and get Sting on a chair inside the ring. He's about to hit Sting with his baseball bat and the lights go out. And when they come back on, the great fucking Muda is up on the ramp. And before all that was happening and Buddy was about to hit him with the bat, Sting is laughing hysterically because he knows something's going to happen. And it's the great Muda, one of Sting's most eclectic rivals in the history of his career, is in AEW, and he beats the shit out of the out of Buddy Matthews. An incredible dragon screw uh, on uh, his leg. And then the green mist into the eyes of Buddy. 
Sting breaks out of the handcuffs, just full-on breaks the handcuffs, hits the Scorpion Death Drop. After, I gotta say, too, fucking Julia Hart goes flying off of the apron at one point and fucking misses the table over the top of the table, and her head hit hard. She said she was okay afterwards, but it was scary. It was also weird, too, because the table just lost a piece. It was, like, so fucking weird about how the table just lost, like, a piece up on the top, and then just she missed the table completely other than that. Um, but after the Scorpion death drop, Buddy gets pinned by Sting, and the Great Muda and Sting hug it out in the middle of the ring. Really cool moment to open up Rampage, I will say. I'm glad Julie Hart's okay, because I gotta say, that shit was scary for a moment. Um, match was fine, honestly. You know, as a no DQ match, it did what you expected between... They worked it great. Sting consistently still looks amazing in AEW, despite how old he is. It doesn't even matter. You don't even think about it. And yeah, with seemingly, from what people are saying, at least from what we've seen, we're going to get a hiatus at least with the, with the House of Black. With Regardless of whatever the fucking media is saying or whatnot, we're getting at least a leave of absence from the House of Black as of now. Which I think is fine, you know. They can come, they can come and do things whenever they want, or if they want to leave, they can do whatever they want. But this was at least a really cool moment with Muda and Sting. Yes, uh, as a person that like watched the rivalry live in my life, uh, this was something that you wouldn't expect uh, to see. Um, great Muda coming to the aid of Sting. It was announced that Sting's going to be at Muda's last match in January, which will be awesome. Uh, but yeah, this was just a great moment on TNT, uh, Nitro, whatever, you know, the, on the Turner Network where their rivalry was fought. Most of the rivalry was fought for many, many years ago. You have Sting and the Great Muda in the same ring with Darby Allin. Funny story for all the people that don't know this. Moxley was actually talking in the post show of the Forbidden Door. And he said, you know what? We should have a six-man tag. And it should be Great Muda, Sting, and Darby Allin on one side. He literally called this. And Tony's like, I don't think you can even say that. Because doesn't any like the president of Noah? Boom. Tony Khan, The Forbidden Door. Just call him The Forbidden Door. He opens it, and who walks through? The great fucking Muta. Come on, man. That's great stuff. I, like, I could talk yeah. about the match, but that match was about that moment. It was. You know, it, everything built up to that moment. You know, it was a DQ match. You weren't talking about the work rate or anything like that, and they were just beating the shit out of each other in the match. Yeah. But we move on now to the Jericho Appreciations, Angelo Parker and Matt Menard. Daddy Magic and Cool Hands facing off against the FTW champion Hook and Action Bronson. Yeah. I'm so... This was such a cool fucking moment. And he did good. Bronson did a good job. You know, he did what he needed to do. The dude was fast. I gotta say, he was flying across the ring through shit. Um, Hook did really well as well. I thought the use of Bronson was great. Um, the fucking running power slam, like this man thinks he's Braun Strowman, proceeds to hit a running power slam. I thought was so good. Hook tags in, gets the red rum on Cool Hand. Bronson gets the red run on Daddy Magic. They both tap out. That closes out the match. And yeah, this was a cool little moment. I'm glad to see that they're still using Hook. Action Bronson being there was fucking sick, honestly. And the fact that he wrapped the theme to the to the ring as well was awesome. And then eventually he just goes, ah! And then fucking's like, he's ready to go. Um, 
It was sick. It was sick. I'm very glad to see that. It did what it needed to do. Bronson looked good. Hook looked good. Angela Parker and Matt Menard are still entertaining as hell. Um, yeah, this did exactly what it needed to do. Yeah, so Action Bronson, key to this match. They didn't ask him to do anything super difficult. Yeah. He threw like a he threw more shoulder blocks than I've probably seen in wrestling this year in this one match. He just was running them over. He was just a fucking bowling ball. I loved it. He had a Oklahoma stampede, which is, you know, shout out to Dr. Def Steve Williams, pride of Oklahoma at one time. Uh yeah, it was just it was just such a cool person uh to have. Uh it, it was funny because in the interview, he kind of gave something away about this match. He's like, oh, I'm not taking any bumps. That's when you get serious. So I got no bumps in my contract. And guess what? He didn't take this whole match. Not one bump. <laughs> not one. Not one. And he got the red rum and got to tap out. Uh, I always say in these matches, you know, you're not, you're not looking for work rate or something, but you always want to give a shout out to the people on the other end so matt menard uh angelo parker i gotta give those two a shout out they made him look like a million bucks very clean match no one got hurt it was great uh hook came off very cool then you had the rapping which is so funny because like i said you know i'm old i always say that it comes up once a week um I knew him more from the Food Network cooking than I knew. Yep, I know. I, yeah, we have talked about that before. Yeah, yes. yes, and it's just so, it's funny. You got the guy that's cooking on the Food Network out here wrestling, and they're like, oh, he's a rapper. I'm like, oh, cool, 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 cool. But that dude can throw down. He can throw down in the kitchen. And that's, oh, yeah. yeah no, no uh, but yeah, it was it was so fun. So fun. Just like as good as any other like celebrity. And it's funny because the bar, because of uh, Logan Paul and Bad Bunny and people like that, even Stephen Amell, the bar for celebrity wrestlers is so much higher than it used to be. It is. Yeah, and I think he, I think he, he was right there. I'm not going to say he was like amazing, but everything he did looked good. Yeah, that's all that matters at this point right now because, I mean, he just made sure everything looked good. Yeah. And he they didn't ask him to do too much. Um, it's like, it's like yeah, even Shaq, like Shaq looked good when he did uh, AEW wrestling. Bad Bunny looked good when he wrestled. Like, there's been so many instances of people just wrestling good that have very little contact with it. And they're just known for outside work and in entertainment and stuff like that. And, you know... Now I will say, because again, it just puts a more of a, a spotlight on the bad ones like Snooki and stuff like that, you know. And when celebrities come in and do a bad job, you're you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot more shit now than you would even back then, because we can point to so many instances of celebrities coming in and wrestling and doing a good job. Yeah, uh, maybe Action Bronson every year at Grand Slam. I'm down. I have stated this. I will be at Grand Slam next year. I, Hell yeah. It's pretty much the only big event of AEW I haven't been to, and it bothers me. <laughs> oh, it'll change sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we then moved on to the TNT champion Wardlow teaming with the Ring of Honor World Television champion Samoa Joe, or Joe, Joe, uh, was it uh, War Joe is how they yes, called themselves? Uh, War yes. Joe. Facing off against the technical beast Josh Woods and Tony Nese with Smart Mark Sterling at ringside. 
this was a match. I love the fact that we got to see Samoa Joe wrestle. I, I love seeing him wrestle. We got to see him do the lovely moment of um, Tony Nese trying to fly off the top rope, and then he just proceeds to just walk out of the way, just misses it. Uh, and then we got to see the Powerbomb Symphony on uh, Smart Mark Sterling after the match was over. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a quick little win as Joe got the win with the Muscle Buster. And we got to see the Powerbomb Symphony. It seemed like there might have been an issue with uh, Wardlow's knee at one point uh, because he was not involved in the finish whatsoever. Pretty much he, he hit it. He, he was out like with his knee and whatnot. And he kind of limped when he got in the ring, but eventually it just didn't even look like it was a problem. Hopefully he's got no problem. I'm out. Or... Yeah, this was... Um. Yeah, it was a match. Uh, I would still say if I was ever a wrestler in kayfabe, uh, Mar uh, Sterling would be my lawyer. His wrestlers get more TV time and more great matches than any wrestlers in the company. I, I don't even know when Josh Woods joined the company. I have to say it was probably right, right after uh, the ROH show. Uh, ROH show and... Um, that was super card of honor and dude i truly believe that that dude's been on more tv more than most of the people on the AEW roster mark sterling uh yeah he's uh he's a genius he, he figures it out he gets his people on tv no but this was a fun match sterling took all the power bombs from warlow which is so cool and everybody needed it and warlow super over right now yeah, ab absolutely in that regard. <clears throat> we then got the match that ended off the first hour of uh, this two-hour rampage, which was Jungle Boy Jack Perry against Ray Phoenix. I mean, these guys are just both incredible. You know, these two work so well together, high-flying offense, bouncing all over the place, crazy athleticism between these two. Great work uh, in this match. I can't go, like, like point for point on it because they just did a lot of stuff. But eventually... After a frog splash was hit on Jungle Boy, he kicked out, hit a black fire driver to counter it, and he got the pinfall victory to beat Ray Phoenix. However, Christian Cage returned uh, with his arm still in a sling as he walked up the ramp, but Luchasaurus comes up, tries to blindside Jungle Boy. He saw him just barely, but then Luchasaurus still was able to plant him. Christian Bell said, like, you jumped me like a coward at all out, and I still beat you, and he squa he's like, I squashed you. He's like, you're never going to outsmart me or beat me. And he said, this is your final warning, Jungle Boy. You took away my right arm, and I introduced you to my right hand, Luchasaurus. For the sake of your health, do not come back next week. He's like, and then he once again made a comment about his mother and his sister. And Jungle Boy proceeds to get chokeslammed again by Luchasaurus. And, well, Christian's back, everybody. Um, and... Hopefully he's able to wrestle soon because I would like to see the blow off of this feud because while I have enjoyed it, um, I want to see Jungle Boy eventually kind of move on. But I'm do I am glad to say that uh, I'm good to see Christian back because you know he filled the MJF gap shape hole in our hearts uh, when he was gone. Uh, but now we have MJF, so that's the interesting thing about it too. But I think Christian being back is still a great thing. Hopefully he'll soon be able to wrestle again very shortly. If if there's any wrestler that can pull off not wrestling for six months and still carrying on a feud, his name is Christian Cage. 
So, uh, I, yeah, I can definitely see him pulling this off even with the injured arm. Luchasaurus <laughs> looks a lot more menacing. And, like, the match with uh, Jungle Boy and Ray Phoenix, let me just say this. Ray Phoenix understood the assignment. Make Jungle Boy look as good as possible. And he did. And he looked. they both looked amazing. But he definitely made Jungle Boy look like the better of the two. And then, you know, Luchasaurus comes out and attacks, and he says, finish him, and then he hits a, a regular choke slam, which made me laugh because it's like, that's how, that's how you're going to finish him for good is a choke slam. It feels like, you know, you bring in a chair or, or something. It's just, I, I just thought that was just my wrestling brain going too hard because I was expecting when he said finish him for good that it was going to be something a little more substantial than just picking him up and choke slamming him. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, uh, cool segment. Uh, good job, Jungle Boy. Absolutely. We then moved on to the second hour of AEW Rampage for Grand Slam Week. Mad King Eddie Kingston facing off against Sam Guevara. Shout out to his nice little animated uh, Dragon Ball Z-style Titan Tron. I thought that was a nice little thing. Sammy, of course, facing Eddie Kingston, gets on microphone and calls him fat again. Um, of course, that was the line where it's like, you know, the backstage drama where he flipped out on him and started beating the shit out of him or tried to slap stage uh, after that promo on Rampage. But this was used for this match. Great. I had a great little moment to tie that back. And, you know, everyone's working still and everything. But eventually, Eddie pokes Sammy in the eyes, starts beating the shit out of him. Sammy, though, is able to throw him onto the arena floor. Ty Conti grabs his boot at one point. Sammy, though, is able to keep putting in some offense. But... As things keep going on, though, Sammy gets put onto the uh, sl- put put in a stretch plum. The referee ends the match because Sammy is just completely defenseless. He didn't release the hole. Jerry Lynn comes down to try to stop him. That doesn't happen. And then this was the weirdest thing, though, was when Paul Turner proceeds to reverse the decision of the match because Eddie Kingston wouldn't let go of the hold. We've had plenty instances of wrestlers not letting go of holds after the match. And never once was a match reversed. This was a weird decision. I didn't like this, really. It seemed very confusing, and it just went against a lot of the things that AEW has established in their matches in the past. And it just came out of nowhere, you know? And, of course, with it being uh, against Eddie Kingston and in favor of Sami Sami Guevara, I must say, actually, uh... People weren't happy, and it was really kind of dumb, I will say. This was a thing that really tainted everything, because everything else on the show was good or really good, and this kind of was the one thing during the week of AEW that was dog shit, in my opinion. I didn't like this move at all. They set it up on social media, so you had to be watching the socials. Tony Khan uh, got was mad at uh, Paul Turner after Dynamite, because if you remember... In a lot of the matches, they were cheating or like the pack, and then uh, Jericho with the nut <laughs> shot. There was a lot of cheating, so he said he told Paul Turner to tighten it up and to take control. Well, the first victim of Paul Turner tightening it up and taking control was the Mad King Eddie Kingston, who went too far in his beating of uh, Sammy Guevara. So yeah, old school wrestling. This actually happened a lot 
where somebody they the referee would threaten to reverse the decision if a person didn't let go of the move. They had five seconds, or they could reverse the decision. So reverse decision reversals happened a lot in the eighties. Well, not a lot, but enough where I remember it. And yeah, so I thought this was pretty cool. Sammy Guevara gets a shitty win over Eddie Kingston. So Eddie Kingston is not probably finished with him yet. I enjoyed it. Again, this is very old school wrestling. So I haven't seen anything like this in several years. So uh, very old school wrestling. So I could see how it would not be everyone's taste. Yeah, I, I will disagree respectfully because um, I get I get what he's trying to do there. But like... Tighten it up during the match. After the match is over, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, like that's that's not tightening it up. That's just being cherry picking, in my opinion. It doesn't work for what they're trying to uh, trying to say, or at least what they were trying to imply in the social video. Um, I get it. I don't agree with it. It's one of those things from old school wrestling that could stay in the old school, in my opinion. Um, but that's just me. I this was the one thing I was I looked at and I was like that's kind of stupid, um, but we'll move quickly over to uh, the TBS title match between Jade Cargill and Diamante, who is accompanied by fucking Trina. Like, dude, AEW is hip hop. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, uh, this match was pretty quick. Uh, honestly, Diamante we knew really didn't have a chance in this match. Jade Cargill was able to quickly plant her. At one point, and when she jumped out of the ring uh, off of the ropes, um, she got the win very quickly. And after the match, in fact, Trina smacks Diamante and then joins Jade and the baddies because I, I don't know what to say. As, to, as to say from uh, I was listening to uh, One Nation Radio, as I do, and they said Diamante, uh, Diamante was definitely the geek of the week. I mean, yes. the person she brought down to the ring ended up slapping her and then posing with her, posing with her rivalry. She did not come off looking that good. I mean, even the match wasn't very competitive. It's just they're they're at this crossroads with Jade, right? They're at this crossroads. I love her. I want her to keep beating people. Don't get me wrong, but wrestling attention span and you know you know ability to wait on something to happen has gotten shorter and shorter. So I think Jade is near the comfortable limit of being champion for most people. Me personally, she could stay champion two more years, but I could see there's a restlessness going on in the AEW community with her still being champion and undefeated. Yeah. I could see that too, but it's it's definitely just because I mean we're 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 thankfully seeing like the use of more baby faces in the women's division, but we're getting to the point like I said, Jade just is running out of people to challenge and running out of people to challenge her. So you know we got to get to a point where somebody's gonna beat her. And like I said, my pick is Athena. My pick is still mm -hmm. Athena because if you wanted somebody to beat Jade, that was your girl that I would have absolutely had beat Jade because. I still think it would be believable, and I think Athena would have been a great champion. That's how I still feel. I regard, I refuse to bet my feelings on that, so that is what I still feel. I think that was your perfect spot. There's a perfect way to do it, and Athena could be the person, whoever could be the person. You just have to do it right. I don't want it to be a slip on a banana peel. I want that person, Neither do I. Who, person whoever it is, 
to be better than Jay Cargill that night. Yeah. Maybe they're saving it for stat for when she gets back, but that's like a year from now. So hopefully, mm-hmm. and like I said, I don't. It's not me. I do feel like a general kind of resentment for her still being champion online. Yeah, it's like I I'm not getting a ton of that, but I no it's, no it's it's like the low murmur, you know, that's gonna yeah, get louder. It's gonna get and, louder. Yes, and it's just like I didn't feel it like two or three months ago. I, 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 I'm starting to feel the buzz right now. It's going to get louder if it if it keeps going. But yeah. hopefully, like I said, they find somebody that they're comfortable with having get that first win. Because Jade will still be great even if she loses her first match and loses the title. She's still one of your top women for certain. But it just we need somebody to kind of change things up for a minute. Dude. But Dude. Sasha would be so good for this. I know she. Dude, I know. I know. I know it's like coming. we're just. We don't. Yeah. Probably not coming. Yeah. But no. I'm it's like still pretty much let go of it coming. But if Sasha, like, oh, you got a secret opponent and it's Mercedes Renato or Mercedes XL. I think this is what she went by, and she comes out and they have you know the banger that Sasha knows how to have, and then she taps out Jade. Uh, with the, uh, what is it, uh, what's her move called? Um, good Lord. The bank statement. Yeah, bank statement. Good Lord. My old brain doesn't work as well as it used to. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's like the crowd will erupt, especially if it happens, like, in Boston. Oh, my God. People would, oh, be, yeah. people would cry and say they were there and get that date tattooed on their arm. So, no, I know it's not going to happen. This is just me fantasy booking. But they need it to be big when it happens. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We then moved on to the Grand Slam Golden Ticket Battle Royal, where the winner would get a future world title shot. Um, Hangman Adam Page actually was jumped before uh, by Roosh, the Blade, and the Butcher. Dark Order came to his aid at one point. Uh, we got a little great moments of Grant Danhausen beating the shit out of QT Marshall I thought was good, but he was eliminated quickly. Um, we got to see Brian Cage in the ring for a little bit. Um, Dalton Castle as well. Shout out as he was eliminated with the help of the boys. Um, we got Lee Moriarty and Dana Garcia going at it at one point. Um, and there was a point where it just eventually got to the point where Roosh and John Silver were trading uh, blows. John Silver, Silver was eliminated. Penta was eliminated by Lance. Jay Lethal was eliminated at one point. And it came all the way down to the final two members of the Battle Royal being Heyman Adam Page and Roosh. And that's where uh, Roosh was eliminated off of the ring apron. Uh, and Hangman Adam Page is back in the AEW World title picture. So he will get a future title shot against Jon Moxley somewhere down the road. So, And it makes sense, you know. No, Hangman not, is- not even just somewhere down the road. In Cincinnati, October 10th, I believe. That's the confirmation? Yeah, it's the confirmation. Okay, cool. So. At the Cincinnati show, John Moxley versus Hangman. I'm watching this, and they get me every time. I just want John Silver to win once. I mean, one time, man. Johnny Hungry, uh, Johnny Hungry. I was just like, dude, this is going to be like a throwaway title defense. Come on, give me Johnny Hungry and John Moxley. You can give them a few hope spots, and then Moxley chokes them out. Let's do it. Let's pull the trigger on Hungry, and then yeah, Hangman won. This shocker, everyone saw it coming. Hangman won, but the, the the result is not just Hangman winning. 
the result is a match that we missed last year because Mox went into uh, rehab and got that taken care of. Uh, we missed Mox versus Hangman. So we're yeah. going to get Mox versus Hangman in Cincinnati. That's going to be a great night. Just, you know, Hangman's Hangman has known to lay some punches in, and Mox doesn't seem to have a problem with it. So I'm thinking that might be uh, a very much a big man bump and meat match, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, you got the wild card of MJF, but just, you know, Hangman versus Mox, that's a, that's a pay-per-view main event, you know, for the world title, pay-per-view main event. And now you're going to get it live in Cincinnati. That's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that going forward. Okay, well, we moved on to the final match of the week, the lights out match between Powerhouse Hobbs and Absolute Ricky Starks. And this was a good, I thought this was a good match, honestly. I thought this was a really good match of just these two beating each other up. We knew that it had to get to this point where these two could get at it and actually kind of really close things out on a good note, I felt like. Um, there was a point where um, Powerhouse Hobbs proceeds to uh, throw uh, up on the ramps, uh, throw him into uh, the like just a LED lights area. Hobbs pulls one of them off of the wall, and then um, before he was able to use it, though, Star spears him through a table. And eventually, Starks takes one of the lights and hits him with it. And eventually, he's able to hit the Rochambeau and pin him. And Ricky Starks gets his revenge on Powerhouse Hobbs with the use of the weaponry. And I thought this was a cool little closer off of this. Um, and this was a good closer for Rampage, honestly. I thought this was a nice match. It wasn't anything outstanding compared to other Lights Out matches that we've gotten. But it was still, I think, really good, I felt like. So, lights out match to Will Hobbs did not lose. This never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, very, very, very physical uh, exhibition fight. That's what we'll call it. It was a nice oh. exhibition. Uh, Ricky Starks uh, got the best of uh, Will Hobbs. But uh, all serious, this is what Ricky Starks, this is the story Ricky Starks is going to be telling for as, as long as he's on the face side of things. He was the baby face in peril. He, uh, he just was so resilient. Hobbs kept trying to keep him down, and he wouldn't stay down. Ricky Stark's uh, uh, selling face and everything is so good. And I just, man, he's going to be amazing uh, going forward. This was, uh, this was a very fun match to me. Let me tell you, uh, the first time viewing, I fell asleep because I... I cannot stay up that late. Two hours, two hours of rampage was just too much for this guy, and so I ended up rewatching it in the morning and really enjoying it. Uh, Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs uh, uh, did a great job. They worked their ass off. So uh, shout out to both of them, and uh, looking forward to where this goes in the future. What's next for Will Hobbs? What's next for Ricky Starks? I've been calling it for a while. Will Hobbs versus Wardlow. I'm hoping we get that. But yeah, I wonder where Ricky Starks is gonna go. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really excited for that and what comes out of that. But that closed out the week of Grand Slam for us here in AEW. We'll quickly get into our preview for AEW Dynamite and Rampage taking place in Philadelphia. We know MJF is going to be appearing at this show. 
Jericho is going to have a championship celebration for being the Ocho and winning the Ring of Honor World Championship. Tony Storm and Serena Deeb will have a women's interim title match. Uh, Jericho will have his first title defense against Bandito for the Ring of Honor World title. And John Moxley will have his first match as the new AEW World Championship. And he's facing Juice Robinson, which, fuck yeah. We have not seen this man wrestle in AEW, and we haven't seen him since Forbidden Door when he was up on the in the stands during the uh, Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy match. So it was very cool to see that we're gonna get to see Juice Robinson. I am I'm all for that. I'm I'm geeked for that announcement. Yes, uh, rock hard Juice Robinson. I'm looking forward to that new member, new one of the newer members of the Bullet Club. Uh, really looking forward. Bandito versus Jericho. Uh, super, I mean, Bandito is one of those people very going to put on a good match every time. Jericho understands how to work within himself, so that's going to be a good match. I imagine the finish isn't going to be honorable. And then uh, I feel like that'll be consistent with Jericho as the Ring of Honor World Champion. Tony Storm and Serena Deeb is, I mean, Serena Deeb is a great first challenge. It's, she seems like it's either her or Nyla are your first challengers when you win the world championship. So uh, Tony Storm and Deeb are going to put on a great match. I've always liked the way Tony wrestles. So with the professor in there, it's going to be uh, really good. I, I expect, this is not a spoiler because I don't know, read ahead, but I'm calling it doing the Jericho Championship celebration. Daniel Garcia announces that he's leaving the Jericho Appreciation Society to join the Blackpool Combat Club. I just wanted to say you heard it here first. Uh, MJF is going to appear, and I feel like Willa Yuta might have something to do with that appearance. You know what I mean? So I'm looking forward to everything that's going to happen this week. I'm thinking this is going to, like, the Fallout shows from other shows are always good. So this is the Fallout from Grand Slam. So I think it's going to be good. And hopefully we start getting, a, not all the way, but a little setup for uh, Full Gear. I know that's not what they how they usually do it. They'll start setting up for Full Gear about 12 days before Full Gear starts. Right. But, uh, yeah, hopefully they start, you know, leaving laying some Easter eggs so we can see where it's headed. Yeah, I think this show has the potential to be very, very, very good. So I'm excited to see how it turns you know, out. You know who's not going to be on the show? Tell me. Damn, Hurricane Ian uh, is, headed yeah. toward, is headed towards my boys, FTR's house in area so they are actually they're going to be on a new japan show this weekend in london so they actually decided to fly out today so to avoid the uh travel problems so dax and cash will not definitely not be on dynamite maybe they do some kind of pre-record but don't think they're going to be on dynamite unfortunately i know that disappoints everybody especially my boy rich lotta uh, that'll make him cry and cry. Right. I'll be there to hug him, make sure he's okay. Yeah, but regardless, though, um, yeah, definitely to everybody to um, in the Florida area and whatnot. Yeah, be safe with that whole thing because I know it's yep. it's getting the the hurricane season has already shown its force well out in for full force. So it's uh, 
yeah, it's definitely um, a big thing in that regard. A good contingent of the Social Suplex Podcast Network is in Florida. I wish them all safe. You know, I got a uh, guest room if you're uh, willing to drive the 20 something hours to Oklahoma. You can always hang with me. But uh, yeah, uh, I really do. I wish you the best uh, as far as uh, getting being in a safe place. So, look yeah. at Yeah, the hurricanes. It's one of those things, man. They suck. And it's like yeah. when you're prepared and you get all out there, nothing happens. And when you don't do anything, shit goes to hell. So you, mm-hmm. uh, be cautious. Be cautious. Yeah, for sure. For sure be cautious. But either way, that I think will do it for this episode of All Things Elite. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in every single week. We really do appreciate it. Give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. If you listen to us on Google or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get us, you can also download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a rating and review. Let us know how we're doing. But the easiest way you guys can support us is on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex, are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with all that out of the way, I'm going to pass it off to my good friend Floyd so he can take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. Yes. Uh, first, I wanted, I did have one more piece of news. AEW Full Gear ticket sales. They show out. look like they've sold out like 95% of the arena. They only have 769 just uh, Full Gear tickets left. And 1,169 combo tickets, and they're set up for 10,956 people. So it's a, I mean, AEW's doing what they do. They sell out these pay per views. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, this weekend, thoughts. I mean, me and Austin, thoughts, prayers, hopes, wishes are with everyone in that uh, area that could be affected by Hurricane Ian. I hope you all are safe. Take care of your families. Make sure you make sure your pets have somewhere to go because they're part of your families too. Do all the things. Do everything. But uh, I will definitely be seeing sending up prayers and thoughts to all of you. Hopefully, y'all make it out 100% without any damage or anything like that. But I will leave you this week as I always leave you. Just like my undefeated Florida State Seminoles. Whether you're at home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.